Hello, I'm Dr. Ali Benazir, author of The Tao of Dating, The Smart Woman's Guide to Being Absolutely Irresistible, the highest rated dating book on Amazon for four years. This is a recording of a workshop entitled Happiness Engineering, Redefining Success in an Age of Anxiety, Greed, and Self-Inflicted Misery, recorded at the Magnesia Festival in Helsinki on Sunday, August 5th, 2018. You can find my books on Amazon.com and amazon.co.uk and can reach me at drallieb at taoofdating.com that's d-r-a-l-i-b at t-a-o-of-dating.com or ally at happinessengineering.com enjoy the workshop uh, he's not short of degrees he holds a um, bachelor of arts from harvard college Mm-hmm. Doctor of Medicine from UC San Diego School of Medicine and a Master of Philosophy from Cambridge University. So, here's the guy from, for you. Uh, he is helping, committed to helping you become the happiest, most fulfilled version of you. Today's lecture is about happiness engineering. We live in the most affluent times in the history of the world, and yet rates of depression and anxiety are at all-time highs. If we succeeded and still aren't happy, now what? Ali, it's your turn to tell us. All right. Please welcome Ali Binazir. Thank you, everybody, for coming. And... Welcome to the lecture. Who wants to learn about misery engineering? Everybody say yay! yay. Oh wait, oh I'm sorry. Not misery engineering, happiness engineering. People are already really good at misery engineering. They don't need my help. Okay. That is what we we're talking about today. The fact that somehow people have gotten very good at engineering misery into their lives and have forgotten how to be happy. Okay, so, uh, normally, for this talk, I have an actual restaurant menu with me. But this time, I don't, because in this town, people write their menus on blackboards, and they don't fit in my pocket. So, we're going to pretend that this is a menu, okay? This is an actual restaurant menu. So, and people are already eating lunch, so apparently you're hungry. Who's hungry? Hungry, yes? Okay, good. And on this menu, I have, like, you know, tuna salad sandwich, um, you know, white fish, this is great, pasta, this sounds fantastic, right? And I'm really hungry, so I'm just going to start eating the menu, right? Now, does this strike you as maybe a little strange that I'm eating a menu? Say yes, that's really weird, man. Why the hell are you eating the menu, okay? High fiber, come on, good for you, right? We have a problem, though. After I eat this menu, in spite of all the... Ooh, wow, I really chewed through this, huh? Um, after all the high fiber, I'm still going to be hungry. And I'm not going to get the vitamins that I need. None of the nutrients that are necessary for an actual meal. Why? Because it's a menu, damn it. It's not the real food. Everybody can understand that, right? That's really straightforward. This is a symbol representing food. This is not the actual food. 
And when you replace symbols for the real things in life, you end up becoming undernourished. And another word for that is miserable, unhappy, unfulfilled, unsatisfied. Okay, so I prefer that you be happy, that you be fulfilled, that you be satisfied. And I call this talk happiness engineering, not because I want you to be going, yes, I am happy all the time. Okay, and, and happy doesn't mean you're always smiling either. In fact, people always say, hey, Ali, Mr. Happiness Engineer, you never smile, what's up with that? Look, it's about your overall life. It's about the arc, the direction of your life. Are you fulfilled? Do you have well-being in your life? Do you have good relationships? Are you in a good spot? Is this a life worth living? Okay, it doesn't have to be all smiley and stuff. In fact, some of the happiest people in the world aren't all that smiley, right? Every year on the UN list of happiest countries in the world, guess who comes up in the top three? Finland, okay? And are you always smiley people? Yeah, of course, yeah. And Danes and Swedes and Norwegian, other not terribly smiley people, okay? So it is possible to be happy, okay? Without being like, overtly like me all the time. So the technical terms are synchronic happiness and diachronic happiness. So synchronic means right now I'm feeling happy, right? I just took a hit of Coke and damn, I feel good, okay? As opposed to diachronic happiness, that's the long-term happiness. The Coke is not gonna do it, but having a healthy relationship does. Exercising regularly does predispose you to having long-term diachronic happiness. So that's what we're focusing on in uh, the in psychology is called um, subjective well-being. I'm going to pass this around so you guys can put down your emails. This is for the advanced notification list for the book. I have not finished the book yet, but there is a blog. It's called happinessengineering.com. And if you would like to receive a recording of this talk and also be notified of when the book comes out, that's where you sign up. So. Uh, pass that around, please. Okay, good. So, today we actually have 45 minutes because there isn't anything happening after this one, so we have 50% more time for happiness. Woohoo! I can tell you're really excited. Okay. Um, if you're in the shade, you can be a little more excited than if you're in the sun. I can understand that. So, I want to focus on five areas of your life because these are the five areas that I found. If you screw these up, you will be unhappy, guaranteed. So instead of reading all these books on happiness and say, make your bed first thing in the morning, that'll make you happy. Or have a gratitude journal, that'll make you happy. Look, you can write all the gratitude journals in the world if, that you want. If you are not sleeping, right, right? If you're sleeping two hours a night, you will be screwed, you will be miserable, okay? If you have poor relationships, you will be miserable. If you are not eating right, exercising right, you will, you will be miserable. So we're talking about the big rocks, the big things you want to fix in your life such that you are moving in the general direction of happiness and fulfillment. Does that sound good? Okay, we're going to talk about the major stuff, not the minor stuff, okay? The big things you can change to just build that core of essential goodness and power and well-being. So first of all, I want to motivate the idea of happiness. Why happiness? I mean, that sounds kind of silly. Come on, happiness is pretty important, right? Aristotle calls it the summum bonum, the ultimate good. Everything you do moves towards happiness. 
But let's say you're not convinced that happiness is all that important. Why should I be happy, Dr. Ali? Come on, what's so important about happiness? I'm gonna tell you why. It's because I've been thinking lately about purpose and uh, what we're here to do on this earth life thing, you know? Simple stuff, right? And I came up with this idea. And the idea is that, well, I can't figure out what my purpose is, but I can make one up. And that is to give my gift. So you are here on this earth to give your gift to the world. And whatever that gift is, you know it better than anybody else. Maybe it's to be a great tailor or a great baker or a great doctor or an artist or something. You're here to create something. And it's done in the spirit of purpose and it's done in the spirit of service. And the best way to do that is to be the happiest, healthiest version of you. You are the vehicle for this gift. You have a duty to the world to be the best possible vehicle for that gift. So you do that by being happy. So happiness is far from selfish. Being happy is the most altruistic, most important thing you do in this world because that way you enable your gifts. Also, we are hyper-connected social beings. There's this uh, research done by two professors out of Harvard um, and Yale, Nick Christakis and uh, his colleague. And what they found is that we're so deeply interconnected that something that I do effect doesn't just affect you, but it also affects you. So one degree, two degrees of separation. If I'm overweight, there's a 35% chance that he's gonna be overweight. There's a 17% chance that he's gonna be overweight. At the same time, if I'm happy, that means 30% of the time he's gonna be happier, 15% of the time he's gonna be happier. So these things reverberate throughout our networks into the world. So Think of your happiness as a spiritual practice as opposed to something that is entirely selfish and just centered around you, okay? And if you're a parent, of course, that's super duper important because your kids are learning from you. They're watching you. And when you're happy, they're happy. So it's really important to attend to your happiness first. Okay, are you convinced about happiness? Happiness good? Yes? Woohoo! And you want to learn about more happiness? Let's get to it. Okay, so there was this crazy study done at Harvard, uh, the class of 1929, 1930, and 1931. This class happened to have John F. Kennedy amongst them, right? And these people have been studied for the past 80 years. Some of these people in their 90s already, right? It's called the Harvard Grant Study. And what they did was they had these people come back and do interviews year after year after year to find out how they're doing and what's going on in their life. And the major finding was this. There is one thing and one thing that affects your happiness and well-being above everything else. So this is like the big 800-pound gorilla, everything else is just mice running around, okay? And that one thing is relationships, okay? So the guy who conducted the study and is still doing it now, his name is George Valence, and he said, happiness equals love. It's all about the connections you have. So today I want to give you some simple recommendations for having a good life around your relationships. So case one, you already are in a good relationship and you want to make it better. Case two, you are not in a relationship and you'd like to have one. And case three, you are in a relationship but it's a bad one, okay? Because getting rid of the bad stuff, right? Getting rid of misery is step one in having more happiness. So step one. So who here is already in a relationship? Put your hands up so I know who I'm addressing. More than half the room, fantastic. Okay, good, so 
The biggest problem that I've noticed amongst long-term relationships is that people start to take each other for granted. They're like, oh, hi, you're such a nice piece of furniture, let me sit on you, okay? Hey, what happened to that really special person that you're like, oh, can we go out on Friday, please, 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 I can't wait to see you. Now you're like, ah, whatever, okay. So, you can't do that, that's not good. And of course, that must be happening to you as well. But that's just the way things work. There's a really good book by Esther Perel, um, and uh, she writes about uh, how we are drawn to each other because we're exotic and we're different and we're new and we're exciting. It's like, oh, you're so cool. I want to hang out with you so I can get to know you better and then make you really boring, right? That's what happens. You get close to people because you want to be intimate and intimacy means knowing them and that means you know them so well that you're not interested in knowing them anymore. Well, that's a terrible thing, right? What we want to do is we want to awaken those circuits in our brain that allow you to think that this person is new. Because guess what? Whoever you're with, you don't know them as well as you think you do. There are stuff, there are stuff about that person that you have not even bothered to find out because you fall into that nice, comfortable groove of intimacy, which can sometimes blind you to the really interesting person that you're with. So, what do we do with that? We do novelty nights. What's a novelty night? It's like date night, only better. So. First of all, what you want to do is you want to schedule the stuff into your calendar. Put it down because you know all those incredibly boring meetings that happen anyway because they're in your calendar? We're going to do the same thing to your love life, okay? So put it on your calendar. If you have it now, pull it out right now. A novelty night is when you deliberately create an evening or day or whatever that involves an experience that is novel because your brain produces dopamine in response to new things. And dopamine is the excitement chemical, it's the love chemical, it's the thing that drew you together in the first place. So you're like, hey honey, why don't we go kayaking? Oh, that sounds like fun, I've never done that before. Hey, why don't we go bungee jumping? Maybe that's extreme, but hey, why don't we go try Nepalese food? Why don't we go do a pottery class together? It could be anything as long as it's new and you do it together. You can also do it in your sex life. You know, you find a book and you say, hey, why don't we just go through these things? You've never done it before, it'll be interesting, it'll be exciting. So have a novelty night at least once a week. That's one day out of seven, okay? So get a babysitter, get out of town, whatever it takes, create that novelty night so you can see each other again in the context where you're producing those neurotransmitters that say, ooh, this is new and exciting. And you will see each other in new light again. Okay, so who's excited about novelty night? Woohoo! Who has an idea for novelty night? Raise your hand. Who's got, what, what do you want to do? Jet ski, jet ski, jet ski safari? That's amazing, that sounds super cool. What else? More ideas, more ideas. So. Please talk to each other and get these ideas and write them down and take some time. People forget that relationships are supposed to be work. It's like fitness, right? If I go to the gym one day, I'm like, yes, I'm good for the year. I'm done. I am fit forever. Okay, it doesn't work that way. Actually, I showered this morning, so I'm not going to shower for the rest of the month either. Um, yeah, come stand by me at your own peril. So. It doesn't work that way, right? So relationships are just like fitness, just like showering. You have to put in the work and consider it to be really worthwhile work because, hey, here's a partner. You add to each other, you grow together, you give your gift together. It's the best investment you can make and it also makes you very happy. Good, okay, so that's what you do. Number one is novelty night. 
Okay, so if you are not in a relationship, I have a very simple one-word piece of advice for you. Quit! Be done with it. And the way you know it's time is, you know instantly if somebody gives energy to you or takes energy away from you, right? And if somebody's taking energy away from you, that means there's less energy left for you to give to the world. And your job is to give energy to the world, to give your gift, right? To be the best possible version of you. If this person is just draining you, it's like, oh, I'm so needy, please be with me, please, all my neuroses and psychoses. Okay, what is this shit, right? You have more important things to do. Now, I make this sound really easy, it's not. Um, so the way you know you're supposed to get out of a relationship is you listen to your friends. Your friends can see you better than you do. And they will say, you know, this guy you're with, this, uh, this girl you're with is a total loser. You need to stop this now. So if one friend says it, mm, okay. Two, mm, okay. Three, oh shit, okay. Uh, so listen to your friends and get out of it. You have an obligation to the world, right? So you may think, oh, this person needs me, is so injured, blah, blah, blah. You do your duty for a while, but then you realize you got more important stuff to attend to, okay? So we can talk about that more extensively. I just did a 90-minute workshop on that alone. But it's so important because you are a gift to the world who wants to give her or his gift to the world. Make sure that the person that you're with enables you to do that, okay? Good. Now... And if you're not in one, and if you want to be in one, the three-minute version of the 90-minute seminar is this. Remember that you are a miracle, okay? You are a miracle. What does that mean? That means you were one cell that became two, that became four, that became eight, that became 16, 32, 64, 128, 256, so this is going 512, 1024, 2048, 8192, and I could go on for another 15 minutes and still not get to 50 trillion, which is the number of cells in your body right now. And they all work together. Your liver cells don't argue. Your heart cells kind of work pumped together. You go to sleep, you wake up, the breathing just kind of happened, the heart kind of happened. If that is not a miracle, I don't know what is, okay? And you are that miracle every day. You embody that miracle. And so is everybody else walking around. So recognize yourself as a miracle. Don't put up with anybody who doesn't treat you like a miracle and treat everybody else like a miracle and miraculous things will happen. I make this sound really simple, but until you've tried it, I'm not gonna believe that it doesn't work. So go ahead and walk around with that idea of, well, damn, I kinda am a miracle, huh? And another word for the miraculous is the divine, right? You embody the divine, you are a goddess, you are a god in human form. So act that way, make other people feel like they're miracles too, right? The gift that cannot, the, the power that cannot be taken away from you is the power to make other people feel like they're a million bucks, right? That they are amazing. Elevate people, appreciate them. Wow, great outfit you've got. I love that top. Wow, thank you so much for that yoga class. That adjustment you did was so perfect, made me feel so good. This meal you made, love it, fantastic, awesome, amazing. And yet, many of us can't remember the last time we gave somebody a compliment. So think about that, and after this class, make sure, write down a compliment you're gonna give somebody. That can be to me, thank you for the talk. You're welcome, okay, good. So, genuine compliments, right? Appreciate other people. Because most people are walking around thinking, am I enough, right? It's like, oh, do I look good in these white, does, this, does these white pants with my butt look big? Oh my God, are they looking at me, Jesus? Okay, so, 
Instead, turn around and say, wow, you're great. I appreciate the vid in you. Because what does namaste mean? It's not namaste crazy. It's namaste divine, okay? I see the divine in me sees the divine in you. Okay, good. Relationships, done. Covered it. You're all perfect. Do I need to continue? Okay, I'll continue. Fine. Any questions for now? I will take questions after the talk as well. Fantastic. Uh, is the clipboard still moving? Moving? Done? Okay. Uh, keep it moving. Thank you. And the short version of dating success. Uh, for women, three words. Be the light. What I just told you. Elevate other people. Make them feel fantastic. And for the men, there's a one-word version, and that is lead. Make stuff happen. You walk up to her and you say, hi, you're really cool. You want to go out with me? Okay, good. Then you call and you say, hey, I'll pick you up at 7.30. Then you take her there. Then you pay for things. Then you arrange for the next thing. Then you ask her out again. Then you ask her to marry you. Then you ask her to show up to the wedding, hopefully. And <laughs> then you, you know, they, you make everything happen, right? You are the man, your job is to lead. And as you lead, the more you lead, the more good things will happen. And also, the divine feminine appreciates the lead and wants to be able to relax and trust. So be the incarnation of that divine masculine. Okay, next thing, number two out of five is life purpose. What are you doing eight to 12 hours a day? Is it something that just makes you a hero so you can pay the bills? Or is it something that really matters to you, that's close to your heart? Is it something that involves purpose? Something that involves passion, something that involves actual engagement and service to humanity, right? So you can be making two and a half million dollars a year on Wall Street. I have friends like that, but all they do is they move numbers from here to here, and a bunch of electrons come in their uh, bank account, and hey, I just made a million bucks. Okay, that will make you rich, but it will not enrich your life. You want service. We are hyper-social beings. So the way to fulfillment is to engage in work of service. How are you helping other people? If you're a nurse or a doctor or a teacher, boy, your life is already full of service. If you are a yoga teacher, man, you actually feel it. You're actually touching people, you're moving people, you see the smile, that look of relaxation and complete exhaustion on their faces. You are engaged in seva, okay? How are you bringing seva into your life? now? Some of us do not have the luxury of quitting our jobs and just going off and, I don't know, working for UNICEF or something. So how do you bring service into your job right now? Well, you have within your job an opportunity to mentor people, younger people, newer people, you can do that, that service. Or you can go and get public service jobs that you're volunteering at. 10 months, 10 hours a month, that's the sweet spot. More than that, you might feel burnt out. Less than that, you don't get the maximum. 10 hours a month of public service, and that will feel very fulfilling to you if you want to stay in your current job. And if you would like to be an entrepreneur, now is a good time to think about it. Now is the best time in the history of the world to think about it. There's this new thing called the internet, I hear, right? And you can sell whatever you want, create whatever you want. In fact, the internet fuels my life. I can travel to Helsinki and come here, and my books still sell themselves, and life is great. And you don't have to be in any one place. In fact, the whole trend of digital nomads. We can talk about that later if you wish. You can work independently of location. So a lot is possible now that was not before, and you can read books like The 4-Hour Workweek, which will teach you how to create a business that generates income for you even while you're gone. And then you can do more meaningful things if you wish. Okay.
but ideally, the thing that you're engaged in is meaningful. So I'm here, I'm talking to you, I'm looking you in the eye, I'm teaching you something to me that is deeply fulfilling, because learning is one of my core values, and teaching as well. So figure out what your core values are, orient your life towards that. So in fact, why don't we do a quick exercise right now, I want you to think about your top three core values, okay? So just write it down somewhere if you can, put it on your phone, but think, what is truly important to you in life? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Is it learning? Is it helping people? Is it truth? Is it honesty? Is it justice? Is it environmental protection? Whatever it is, think about that which really turns you on and gets you moving and write it down somewhere because then you can remember that and then you can orient more of your work towards that, whether it's your new job or your next job. Does that make sense? Purpose, service, passion. Okay. I'll wait for a second while you write that down, and I'll take questions. I'm waiting for you to write it down, then we'll move along. By the way, I ordered the temperature to drop a little bit so the people with sun wouldn't burn. You feeling good? Yes? Okay, good. All right, good. Just for you. Uh, let's see. So write that down, and as you're thinking about your values and how you could reorient your work life towards something meaningful, realize that thinking big takes exactly the same number of calories as thinking small. Okay, so you can hunt, you can hunt down mice, or you can hunt down reindeer. And actually, hunting mice might be much more difficult because they're small, and you've got this arrow thing or a gun. It's like ah, I missed again, right? But the deer is a huge target. Boom, got it. So in life, you can also aim towards big or aim towards small. I encourage you to aim towards big. Somebody just like you came up with the idea of Nokia and it became a gigantic company, right? Somebody just like you came with the idea of Skype or any number of other companies and became this huge thing. So you have the power to create greatness right where you are. Just dare to think on a much larger scale. It takes the exact same amount of energy, okay? And, uh, and, and also think long-term. So right now, many of you are, are young, and I don't care how old you are, you're still young to me because today you are the youngest you will ever be. So enjoy it, and enjoy that, and realize, yo, there's no, like day, no day like the present. So set up that plan if you're gonna be an entrepreneur and be free, and start today. Because if you start today in one year, you'll be one year ahead of the game. If you start today in two years, you'll be two years ahead of the game. If you started two years ago, by now you'd be two years into your new business, okay? And I'm saying this to me as much as I'm saying it to you because it's like projects I have not done. Like six years ago, somebody said, hey man, why don't you start a podcast? Sure, no problem. Haven't started yet, okay? Had I started, I'd be on episode 300 by now. So start that podcast, start that blog, start that business, do it. I've got your back. We can talk about the book too. You should write that too. Okay. Any questions? Moving right along, solves all your work problems. Awesome. Number three, I put this in the middle because it's like, you know, you got an arch, right? And is there an arch over there somewhere? No, okay, so imagine there's an arch somewhere and you've got that stone in the middle. That's called the keystone. The keystone holds up the entire arch, okay? Number three is in the middle of one through five and it is the keystone of your life. It is called sleep and it is not optional. I know this comes as a big surprise to you, but in the Western world, especially amongst high-achieving people like doctors and lawyers and power entrepreneurs, they're like, ah, I'll sleep when I'm dead. You know what? If you think like that, you will be dead much sooner than you think. 
Okay, sleep, totally not optional. You can go 18 days without food, but if you don't sleep for like 10 days, you will die. The crazy thing is nobody knows what sleep is good for. It restores something, but we don't know what it is. What we do know is that it's totally essential. So here are the rules for sleep. Sleep is sacred. Can you skip a breath? If I told you, you know what? You don't need to breathe for five minutes, you'll be fine. That's crazy talk, right? But people think, eh, I'll just sleep two hours less tonight, right? I'll make it up in the weekend. No, you won't. That's never happened. If you skip sleep by an hour or two every night for the week, that means on Saturday and Sunday you have to sleep till 3 p.m. Ain't happening, buddy. Sleep is super important. So first of all, what I want you to do is to go get a sleep study because right now, None of you actually know the quality and quantity of your sleep. You just have no idea because while it's happening, you're asleep. So, and if you're asleep, you're unconscious, so you don't know what's going on. Maybe your spouse or your partner says, uh, by the way, you snore like a bear. That's good to know, okay? Because that may be a sign that something is going wrong. So when you get a sleep study, they will tell you about your slow wave sleep, your REM sleep, your non-REM sleep, all the restorative part of your sleep, all these parts of sleep that are so super important. And unless you actually get a study, you have no idea. Luckily, in Finland, you have excellent healthcare. So I'm almost certain that a sleep study is included for free in your healthcare. It used to be that you had to go in a sleep lab and sleep there overnight. That, you know, that's a little inconvenient. Uh, so the first time I signed up for it, I actually didn't go. I'm like, ah, oh, it's too much. And it costs $1,000. Now it's really easy. They put this machine on your wrist, you sleep with it, you take it back to the lab, they download the information, and they will tell you. And one of the most important items of information that you can get from the sleep study is whether you have sleep apnea or not. Sleep apnea is the number one chronic disease on the planet. It's also the number one undiagnosed chronic disease on the planet because people just don't know. And I happen to know about this because I had and still have sleep apnea. Ever since I was a child, I was not getting sleep. In the morning, I'm like, oh God, I can't go to school, I'm so tired. I always wanted to sleep in. I just thought I was lazy, right? And my parents thought that too. I was always late to class, and it happened throughout my adult life until I became an entrepreneur and I had my own schedule. And I have lived without an alarm for most of my adult life now. But still, I wake up in the morning at 9, whatever, 8.30, I'm like, oh, I can't even lift my arms. What's going on here, right? So I finally went and got the sleep study. And what they found was that I was waking up 230 times a night. Does that sound like a lot? Yes, it's a lot, 230 times a night. I was waking up. So what happens is that when you're asleep, your airway collapses, it goes like that. And like a straw that you suck on, the airway, you create a low pressure area, boom your airway collapses and air doesn't come in. And if you want to take a breath, your body goes, oh man, I'm choking. <clears throat> you go like that, and that wakes you up. And if you're snoring, that means your airway is blocked. So if your partner has told you that you snore at night, or if you have daytime drowsiness, or when you start reading a book, you instantly fall asleep, you are sleep deprived. Okay, I don't care what you think otherwise. I don't care if you think you're getting enough sleep, you are sleep deprived. You need to get a sleep study, and they will do something about it. And what they do is they give you a machine called a continuous positive airway pressure machine. It's a mask. It also doubles as a very useful uh, birth control device. Um, it looks like you're that guy Kane from, I don't know, 
No, Bane, sorry, Bane from Batman, right? And it works like magic. It takes up, I travel with one bag everywhere I go and it takes up one quarter of my bag and it's totally worth it, okay? So this will change your life. 9% of all women, 24% of all men have sleep apnea and don't know it. If you have extra mass on your body, you're more likely. You could be a kid, eight, eight year olds can have it and it makes them have hyperactivity, all kinds of things. Test your kids too. So if there is one thing and only one thing I want you to take away from this lecture today is to go sign yourself up for a sleep study. It will be the most important thing you do for your life and your health, okay? So here we go. I promise, hands up. I promise to at least think about getting a sleep study after this lecture. Here we go. I promise to think about and maybe even get a sleep study after this lecture. Okay, good. So all the sleep science is coming up. It's huge. It's transformative. I really encourage, encourage you to go take a look at it. There's a book called Why We Sleep. Uh, and it's amazing. It's by this Englishman who works at Berkeley. He wrote this great book all about sleep. So get that, get deep into sleep. So some simple tips for better sleep. Sleep hygiene. So no caffeine after 5 p.m. Caffeine disrupts your, your sleep. No blue light devices. Any cell phone, any iPad, any TV right before sleep, okay? So two hours before sleep, stop doing that. If you must, if you want to read on your Kindle or something on your iPad, use yellow glasses, yellow shade glasses. They filter out the blue light. They work really well. They cost like less than $20 on Amazon, okay? And room must be a little colder than normal. So around 15 to 17 degrees is perfect, okay? Hot actually makes you sleep worse. Keep a cool room. Um, and, um, oh yes, and, and alcohol. No alcohol two hours before sleep. So you may think that alcohol makes you pass out, so you're sleeping better, but it actually affects the quality of your sleep. And sleep is the centerpiece of everything. It affects learning and memory. If you don't sleep right, it affects your metabolism. So four days of short sleeping will make you pre-diabetic. And obviously it's the restorative function of your brain. It cleans out all the junk and they say it's also, a, that's the thing that prevents Alzheimer's. So sleep is awesome. Get at least eight hours a night, get a sleep study and exercise good hygiene. Okay, I think we beat that, uh, beat that dead horse enough so we can move on to the next one, which is mind management. Number four is mind management. So, um, which one's better, being flabby or being fit in your body? Everybody say, fit. Okay, so being fit is better than being flabby in your body, okay. In your mind, is it better to be flabby or is it better to be fit? Everybody say, okay, why not flabby? Who wants to have a flabby mind? Nobody, nobody? Okay, good, we have at least one person, that's good. So to have a flabby mind, you have to do exactly what you're doing up to now, which is, like, what do you do for, having a fit mind. What is the thing to do if you want to have mental fitness? And I recommend meditation. Meditation is the thing that makes your mind fit. We are at a yoga festival. You're all aware of this stuff. And half of this room right now probably already has a meditation practice. For those who do not, I introduce you a simple meditation practice, which will do for exactly one minute. Really simple. Okay? It's called the Hong Sa Meditation. And what you do is three things. 
First, you sit in a comfortable position, which you can hold for 60 seconds in a row. Then, you close your eyes, and you become aware of the sensation of breath coming through your nose. That's the first thing. The second thing is you say hung when you breathe in on the inside, quietly. Not hung, but just inside. And then you say saw on the inside when you breathe out. And then you look up at the third eye center. With your eyes closed, your eyes are pointing at the back of your forehead. That alone will shift the sensation of your head. That alone will put you into an alpha state already. If you do all those three things, one very interesting thing happens. You become incapable of having thoughts. Go ahead, try, have a thought while you do those three things. You can't do it, it's all gone. If a thought comes in, that's because you forgot to do one of the three things and just go back to center. And the practice of meditation is not the practice of not having thoughts. The practice of meditation is the practice of dismissing thoughts. So, for the next minute, you're gonna do just that. You're gonna sit there, pay attention to the sensation of breath coming through your nose, pay attention to the third eye center by looking at it with your eyes, with your eyes closed, and then you say, hung on the way in, saw on the way out. Just like that. Fantastic. Now, one minute, go. before, then congratulations, good job, give yourself a hand. And that was probably the longest minute of your life, and that's okay. What you do is you build on that. So today you do two minutes, next day you do three minutes, then you do four, you just add a little bit. And then you sneak that in, after 20 minutes, you've got 20 minute meditation practice, and it's fantastic. Uh, and you will kind of get addicted to it. You, I, do, I would do it the first thing in the morning, because that way it gets done. If you don't attach it to a pre-existing habit, you might forget. So after you brush your teeth, you meditate, and then it's done because you brush your teeth every day. So this is mental fitness, which means that if I take you for a workout, and you work out, and you feel good, and you feel a little sore, will you be fit? Not yet. You do the workout again when I'm not there, and again, and again, and again. So please repeat this. And what that does, it gives you this ability to deal with the world. I believe the Number one most important skill for success as an adult is emotional self-regulation. It's the ability to feel and think independently of circumstance. Shit happens, but shit does not happen to you, right? And guess what? There's always shit happening. So, you can focus on the bad stuff happening or you can go, mm, okay, I am here, I choose the way I want to feel. I choose the way I want to react. I choose the way 
I want to be in the world, as opposed to being subject to the world like a flag that's constantly flapping around. Okay. Does that sound good to you? Being in control of your emotions and thoughts. Okay, fantastic. Let's move along. So that's the first step of mind management, meditation. So the other one is mindfulness versus mindlessness. So every time you fully engage with the moment, you're being mindful. So I come here, I'm like, oh wow, look at this bag. It's so cool. It's got neat texture. You're engaging your senses as opposed to, oh, excuse me, let me, let me check my phone for a second again and again. Okay, so you're here. I've seen people walking down the street like this, even crossing streets. This is evolution in action because these people will get run over and then that gene of looking at your phone while crossing the street will not exist anymore. So don't be that person. We want you to be around. Be fully engaged. Be here. Be mindful. When you're washing dishes, feel the water. Feel the soap. Feel the sun. Be fully engaged. Be right there. When you're talking to people, look them directly in the eye. Nod when they say something interesting. Actually be fully present, okay? This moment is perfect as it is. You are right here at the end point of the universe. 13.4 billion years have led up to now. So if you want to fight the universe, you're welcome to do so, but you probably won't win. So might as well make peace with this moment and be fully present with it and mindful. Okay, that's mindfulness. And another practice which actually is useful is gratitude. So I made fun of the gratitude journal, but the idea is that alone is not going to fix you if you're not sleeping right, if not eating right, if you're not uh, in a healthy relationship. So right now I want you to get out a piece of paper and quickly write down, just as quickly as it comes to mind, don't overthink it, five things you're grateful for, right? So for me it's like, oh my God, I'm on this amazing, beautiful island in Helsinki Harbor. That's amazing, right? I am healthy. I had a very nice meal this morning, and I slept really well last night. So that's four or five things. So write down five things. And if you make a practice of that every day, what that does is it directionalizes your consciousness towards gratitude. It gets you tuned to the good things in life, everything that you have. Because the amount of stuff that you don't have is infinite. But the amount of stuff that you do have is also infinite if you think about it, right? So I could go about my day saying, Damn it, where's my yacht, right? Or once I have the yacht, I can say, damn it, where's my super yacht, right? And that's, there's no end to that. You can keep on doing that, and then next thing you know, you're on crack or meth, and you're face down in some ditch, and you're dead, okay? That's not good, that's no fun. But that's how, what happens to celebrities is they have everything, so they keep on going for more. What you want is to express gratitude for what you have right now, because what you have right now is infinite. You went to bed last night, Somebody did all your breathing for you, your heart did all your beating for you, and here you are, and you get to do yoga, and you get to listen to this random American dude, that's pretty awesome. Okay, so, we live lives of immense privilege as soon as we realize how privileged we are through gratitude. Okay, good. And let me talk about diet and exercise a little bit, because it's so important. If exercise were a pill, every doctor would prescribe it. There is nothing, and I mean nothing in the world, that boosts your mood more effectively and more reliably than exercise. So if you're not feeling tip-top, if you're not feeling like you're in a good mood, get out and move, okay? And the kind of exercise that I recommend, if you think you're short on time, but even if you're not, it's high intensity interval training. The science on this is amazing. 
And the idea is that if you stress your body intensely, then your body's like, damn, we've got some enemies. We gotta get ready. This stuff is intense. We gotta get stronger. So your body gets stronger, right? And it very quickly builds up resources so it can deal with the next threat. So do high intensity interval training will also make you feel really good. I also recommend yoga because hey, yoga festival, right? But it also gets you familiar with your body. It's got a component of mindfulness. It just does a whole bunch of things. It combines a lot of things together. It's stuff that's been around for thousands of years. There's a lot of wisdom already baked into it. So do yoga and do intense versions of it. Do the stuff that makes you sweat. Sweating is important. Breathing hard is important. I also want to talk about diet a tiny little bit. So there's a lot of diets out there, and my recommendations for diet are very high level, right? Just not, not specific stuff. And basically what you want to do is you want to eat a mostly plant-based diet, okay? Just because besides being sustainable for the environment, it's just healthier. Every bit of advice, show, show every bit of, bit of all the studies plant, point to a plant-based diet being better for you overall, right? Does that mean eliminate meat entirely? No, but try to make it as plant-based as possible, okay? The, I like the food rules by Michael Pollan. The three rules are eat food. So not processed things that come in packages, but food. I recognize this as an apple. I recognize this as a wing of a chicken. I recognize this as a piece of cow. I recognize this as a blueberry. Stuff you can recognize, right? Do not eat processed food. So eat food, mostly plants, not too much. So they've studied all these societies in the world where people live to be a hundred or more. Uh, places like Okinawa, places like the um, like Costa Rica, the peninsula in Costa Rica, uh, places like you know the tiny islands, the tiny Italian islands in the Mediterranean. And what they found is that a lot of these people they practice this uh, this way of eating uh, called hara ichibu. Something along those lines. I'm destroying the Japanese, I'm sure. But the idea is that you eat to 80% fullness. Not totally full, but 80% full, and then you stop, right? And you can do that by having smaller plates. You can have, do that by like putting the food on your plate, not going back. Whatever it takes, eat to 80% fullness and not beyond that. And that is the key to remaining fit and happy. So I have two more minutes here. So I want to give you techniques for incorporating this into your life. That's really important. I'm giving you information. What I really want is transformation. I want you to actually do this stuff so it changes your life. And the way you establish new habits in your life is by attaching them to pre-existing habits. You already have a habit of brushing your teeth, I hope, and what you want to do is you attach a new habit to the brushing of the teeth. So after I brush my teeth, I will go for a run. That's a new habit. Great. Now after I go for a run, I come back and I meditate 20 minutes. Great. Now what else do you want to do? Hey, I want to eat 80%. How do I establish that habit? Well, you're going to eat anyway. You're going to use a plate. That's your habit. Buy smaller plates. I swear to God, that is like the simplest trick ever. You buy smaller plates and you will eat less. So all these techniques, this is how you get to incorporate this into your life. You attach them to your pre-existing habits. And this brings me back to the beginning of the talk, which is what's the point of all this? The point of this is that we are hyper-connected beings. We are hyper-social beings. And everything that you do reverberates throughout the network. You become happier, guess what? He becomes happier, he becomes happier. That guy in the back becomes happier. And then whole nations, whole countries become happier. And, you know, there's plenty of misery. We don't need more of that. But let's try the happiness thing just to see what happens, right? So 
Think of this as your gift to the world. Think of this as your own duty. By becoming happy, you're actually doing the one thing that you have control over, which is to make this one part of the world right here a better place. Start there and spread it from there. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Alexander. Thank you, the magnificent device, yes. Ali Binazir. And the website is com. You can also write me at ali at happinessengineering.com or just come up to me and talk to me now. I'll be the guy in the hatch. <laughs>